This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self-builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self Build Magazine. So we'll be joined by Mark Stevens, who is an architect. Um, so yeah, so basically planning permission, we have kind of three sets of regulatory things that we need to get sorted when we're building a house. Planning is one of them. There's health and safety and building control, building regulations kind of thing. But we're going to focus on planning today. Um, so something you'd obviously be very familiar with um, people who are building or extending. So I guess the first question is just to dive straight in is to see who actually needs planning permission when do you need planning permission well uh first things first just to let everybody know that uh i'm an architect in uh county mayo i've got an office in swinford uh in the west of ireland so my knowledge is based even though i originally came from the uk i've been here so long now that my knowledge would be entirely republic of ireland based so if there's any questions relating to sort of northern ireland planning uh structure i'm not going to be able to answer them so That's who needs planning where any anywhere where you you're cre- in a residential sense if you're creating a new house or an extension greater than 40 meters squared with other caveats really that for, in a residential sense that's who needs planning those are the people okay and also i guess if you have a house that's on the record of protected structures that do you need planning for that if you're going to alter anything or can you still do a bit of work um inside the house with yeah. those circumstances so if it's on the record of protect, protected structures in uh, in the UK and Northern Ireland, it would be called a listed listed building. So when you say listed in Ireland, it, it's not quite the same word. It's protected structure in Ireland. So uh, a protected structure, by its words, is protected. So to know what you can and can't do without planning permission is you can use what's called a Section 57 declaration. So if you send into the council, there's, there, you should be able to download for your own council 
a uh, if you search for like uh, Galway County Council Section 57 declaration, if you look for that, there's you can fill that form in, and the council has to reply back to you with what can be done and what can't be done that affects like the the characteristics of the structure without planning permission. Okay, all right. So then walk us through the planning process. Let's say I want to build a house um, for planning. What, what do I have to do to get planning permission? Okay, uh, when the f what we're starting to recommend now is very, very early on. There's two things that you should be doing. If it's a, uh, a greenfield site with no septic tank, is to get somebody to do a site suitability assessment. It's really critical. We're finding that's a, a big hurdle that people to, need to get over. Uh, and I'm now recommending people to do it earlier than I normally would. Normally I would sort of get the sketch design done, but we've had a couple of instances where the site suitability as assessment hasn't come back fruitful. So I would advise people to do it really super early to do that. I would also advise uh, people to engage early with the planning process. So Ireland's got this great pre-planning structure. Most councils should do it for free and they should do it like Mayo would do it on uh, a simple little form. It used to be drop-in. I'm not sure whether it's drop-in since the pandemic, but certainly Sligo, Galway, uh, most counties should have a, pre, a free pre-planning consultation service. So I'd advise you to start that process early. That's the first thing. So then, uh, obviously, you're going to engage somebody to do uh, a design for you. That's There's a process that's involved in that. So we're assuming that you've got the great design. And the next step, once you have that design done, the, the person submitting the drawings for the planning application, when it goes in, there's a, a planning sort of validation process. So the planning validation process, it starts sort of like, two weeks before it got the drawings go in. So two weeks before the drawings go in, the site uh, notice is in the paper. So you, the, the notice goes into a recognized paper for that council and the wording of it has to be exactly right. If you get any mistakes on the wording, any paragraphs missing, any words not correct, you're back to the beginning again. Uh, so that sort but of spell check, spell check required then, yeah? Um, I'd say it would, but it's, it's really easy to miss a line out. And some councils, I'm used to Mayo and Sligo, and I know, well, some councils, the wording is slightly different to the one, the site notice that goes on the site. So there's a, uh, a laminated A4 sheet that would be on the site and there'd be one that would be in the newspaper. And sometimes the wording can be slightly different. So you need to get the wording exactly right. So then that starts minus two weeks. The newspaper notice goes in and you have a two week period then of maximum in order to submit everything within that timeline. The, each council will then have a validation checklist and they're checking then against what you're submitting against that. If there's anything missing, anything incorrect, then uh, this is only a bare validation process. Anything missing, you're back to the beginning again. Now we've been doing this how long, 25, nearly 30 years in Ireland. So I still got still get caught out sometimes. And I got caught out a couple of weeks ago. There's one, I think we said there's a there's an uh, extension to a house and we said there's a demolition of a shed and where are the drawings of the shed? 
Where are the drawings of the shed that we demolished? They're not going to be there. The shed's not going to be there. Where is are the drawings of the shed? Oh, okay. We have to produce a set of drawings for something that's going to be demolished. Nothing to do with the house. So, uh, so then the, the validation process happens, and that they go through the checklist, and then they say, yeah, it's great, great, uh, it's valid. And you'll get a, a registration number that's in sort of it's in the system at that point. So we have a little glass of wine at that point that's actually in the system. So the one that uh, didn't go through invalid, and it's, it's the first one in about ten years that's been invalid. Uh, so it's nice to get them in, get them in the system. Then it's good to celebrate those milestones, isn't it? Even if it seems very small, even, it's good the, to. The validity yeah. one is it's great to get them in and get them valid because I mean, you know that they're in, they're in the system then. Mm. So then there's a sort of five week period for sort of making comments and observations on it uh, by other third parties. Uh, there's, uh, and that said, it says that in the um, site notice as well about that about you're able to make a submission and sub, uh, observation. And then after eight weeks, you'll then get a, uh, a one of normally four things that happens at eight weeks. It's either uh, granted, yay, we have a gla another glass of champagne at that point. It's either refused, big tears and upsets. Uh, there's a, requ a request for further information where they're asking for something to clarify on the drawings, something extra information that they need. I'll go through some of the uh, RFIs that we've had um, in, and I think in the East Coast, I think they call them AIs, uh, uh, additional information requests. But in the West Coast, it's uh, requests for further information. Mm -hmm. And so you, uh, they ask, they're asking them at that point for additional information, something to do with road safety, site visibility, uh, adding extra reports for mature reports if they're missing, extra information that's missing. You then have uh, a maximum of normally six months to get that information together and then submit it. That six months can be extended by another three at the council's discretion. Normally, you try and do it within the six months. That extra three months thing, I think it's more for... If you've got huge projects and then you need to get dozens and dozens of reports ready, so normally uh, they do they do give you the extra three months if people can't get organised enough to to do it all within the six. So six extendable by three, nine nine months, and at that point, uh, once you've submitted it, they have to give you one of the others refuses or passes. Screen's uh, just gone off at uh, within a month. So uh, within that month, then they're giving you a notification. So that's two, that's the three. I've got one more to go. There's pass, refuse, request for further information. And one that's not that usual, which we've had a few times, is request for uh, extension time request, uh, where they're asking for more time to make the decision. The ones we've had where that's happened, they're asking for more time, but I think they've already made their decision which is a, a refuse, and they just wanted more time to tell you that's been refused. So uh, I've only had a couple of them, not that many in 20 plus years. And they all came back as refusals in those instances? They did, both of them did, yeah. Okay. You know, I think they've already made their mind up at that point. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure why they don't just refuse it. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a time scale thing that they aren't able to get the time to 
bundle up the things they ask for more time yeah. so then you'll get a, what's called a notification of permission at that point so we notify you that this is a notification and permission and the final permission then comes through another month later which allows for uh, um, appeals to board planola and uh, third party appeals to the to the any whether it's refused or passed yeah okay process. well that's yeah that's fairly comprehensive so the 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 grounds for refusal and um, what's what are the common grounds for refusal you did you did mention at the start to do the site assessment uh early on so that you know if you you can get an on-site wastewater treatment system so that shouldn't be really a grounds for refusal if you've done your your site assessment already and you know that it should be okay yeah um, or the, does that is can that still be an issue even as grounds for refusal even I mean, if you think there is percolation i mean it can be um we have people doing this well i don't do the site suitability site suitability assessments we've got ex, other experts that we draw in for that mm -hmm. uh and they get awful upset when the planners go against what their reports are they get very upset so if for some reason that they go out there and the whole there's normally for that test there's normally a hole at about two meters by two meters by two meters if that hole is full of water when the, the planning officer goes out there and it's practically bubbling up out of it it's not looking good for the for the application yeah so uh it's obviously if there are bad things in the report it's not going to look good it doesn't exclude things like completely i mean we're talking about uh sort of greenfield houses at the moment uh you can ask i think you're gonna ask astrid as well about um what ways could you help get planning permission so one of them would be to use an existing house rather than creating a greenfield site so you know that there's a house there it's even better when there's a septic tank there because obviously the tank's already there and uh, even if it's a substandard one at least there's one there and the eu guidelines would be that you could upgrade it rather than starting afresh on poor percolation so. okay and um, other grounds for refusal then in terms of locals only rules it's quite controversial this whole thing about yeah uh, yeah so explain a bit of that and how you've come across those scenarios well um we haven't had that many refusals anybody that says oh we have had none either hasn't been in the game long enough or done enough applications we've had probably i'd say probably a handful that have gone to refusal not that many uh and the reasoning behind them I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit that i said about doing the uh site suitability assessment reports the other reports that would be needed would be things like mature habitat reports like the eu habitats that's a critical report if there's anything so obviously the first one would be mature reports uh sorry site suitability assessments if that's failing not looking good mature reports if it was if there was some type of uh animal there like a corn crake or some other type of natura that needs to be preserved then that would be another issue uh if it's on a floodplain, you would need to be doing a flood risk assessment so uh again that would be if there was a flood risk assessment then uh and if it's on a floodplain and there's a risk of flooding that's a possibility for um for refusal the one that so once you've done what so you can see it as experts that we're bringing in there's one for the and there may be the same person they might 
we've got a couple of people. I know one of them definitely does all three of those reports where you've got flood risk, site suitability assessment, and then the Tura reports. They can be one, they can be two, they can be three. So you need to factor in that there's um, there's money involved in doing reports. Of course. Uh, yeah. the, the one but you would we... need to do all of them, really, if you're building on Greenfield site, um, you would just really need the site assessment. The flood risk assessment would only be in an area that's prone to flooding, I presume. It wouldn't be everywhere. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, you're right. You're dead right. There'd be, there's maps, though, and part of the pre-planning advice of getting pre-planning is that they can help say, oh, you wouldn't flood risk assessment. Yeah. The phone, yeah. oh, it paused the mark, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll yeah. just send the call off there. Um, um, and so how how much would, would those, when you're saying it costs money, how much would depends, people It depends on the person. I mean, like, generally, the site suitability assessment is somewhere around the 500 plus sort of digger cost. So um, and the other the ones, probably about the same, maybe more, maybe a thousand. I'd have to dig them out. I'm not something that I get involved in, so yeah, I'd yeah. have to dig out what the costs were, maybe the thousand, something like that. You'd have to, they'd have to shop around, and each each person is different. I wouldn't want to give exact numbers for different yeah. things. The one thing, yeah. so an answer to your question, Astrid, about the reasons for refusal, a really, one that is sort of, I, I, I summarize it in three things. Once we've got sort of like, if it's not Natura report sort of problematic and it's not flood risk problematic and the site suitability assessment looks really good, then you've got two other things that sort of would sort of flummox the application. The first would be the design. So obviously you want to get somebody that's trained well, to, that understands architecture, that understands good uh, sort of rural design principles and to do a nice design. Obviously, I, me as an architect, I'm recommending that they do go to other architects. If you go to riai.ie, there's a whole list of architects across the country. You do a search on uh, county-based and you can come up with a whole list of them. So that's my recommendation would be to get an architect, obviously, if I'm an architect. Uh, this, so obviously, so that's, that's what I can do. So I can do the design and I can do that. That's part of what my training is. So I can't do anything with the ground. I can't do anything with the natura habitats. I can't do anything if it's on a flood risk. And then the other thing that I can't do much with is if there is site visibility problems. So when, and again, this will come down into the county development plan, that the county development plan would have set guidelines on a rural site when you are uh, stepping back from the edge of the road, how far can you look up the road and how far can you look down the road in two different directions? And it depends on the speed of the road. So the worst case scenario will be something like 120 meters. Now that's a long distance, 120 meters to be able to see. Uh, some councils, I don't know all of them, I know Mayo does this uh, because that's the council I work with the most, that they're saying, okay, yeah, yeah, we want 120 meters, but we want, we want 120 meters within your own site. So that's, if you had worst case scenario, that's a 240 meters minimum road frontage, or the site triangle is going either into the hard shoulder or it's going sort of in the road, you know, like it needs to be either within your site uh, or within sort of like that, the sort of the piece that's nobody's land on that road edge. Uh, so that's hard to actually get that. So we've had instances where people have either had to buy that piece of triangle or 
uh, or they're given it, or we show it as part of the road. You know, it's very, very problematic. So it's that that's a that's yeah. a key one for us. In answer to your question about you, do you I think you mentioned about um, local, local was it sort of like local, local, local needs. needs? Local needs. Yeah, yeah, local needs. Yeah. Is that so, something you come across much in your parts? I suppose it's it's quite common in likes of Wicklow and yeah, things like that. But. Constantly. So the county the county development plan sets out. Uh, the, the guidelines for local needs and for Mayo, uh, what they have is obviously I'm talking about Mayo because I know Mayo quite the best. Uh, other surrounding counties, obviously, we're putting applications in for uh, my areas would be sort of Sligo, some in Galway, Roscommon, but Mayo would be my focus. Um, so County Mayo in the uh, development plan has got a map and that map has shaded areas and the shaded areas denote areas are called rural areas under urban pressure so rural area it's a rural area but it's too close to a sort of urban townland like sort of westport banana uh swinford castlebar it's too close to them to uh not be a part of the town but it's rural so they don't want like urban sprawl. They want you to be building in the town center. So, but, or uh, a rural that is under sort of um, the, a, an undeveloped rural area. So those ones would not be shaded and you would be allowed to build in those areas. So, so the Mayor County Council has that map. You can see where your outline is and you can see the shaded area uh, that you wouldn't be able to build in that area unless you were from uh like from a, your parental home would be within five kilometers of of the site uh you're uh, have a r real need to be living in the area whether you're a nurse or whatever and you have to live there so there's a whole list of there's about four things that you'd have to be in order to qualify for that um and other counties would have exactly the same thing sligo would have it and you know, similar things and I, i'm guessing wicklow would have exactly that and yeah, probably some water yeah. And so on in in the areas that would be shaded green and good to go, then there shouldn't be any uh, locals needs requirements then no, in no, those areas. Probably. No, they shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to normally, if it is a local needs restricted area, you'd have to, well, the ones we've done, we've had showing a map of the parental home to the site, showing the distance. And it can be as the, exactly as the crow flies. We've done it so that it's not like uh, road distance. It's a, a distance like crow to crow across the yeah. ground five kilometers and um yeah so that that would be on that map so anybody within that map oh well the other things so we do yeah so you have that you have the other, other things like going to school school records we've had oh loads of different records proving that you have a need to be in that area and does it work did, did those applications get approved those ones yeah, you did we've had them as long as they do fulfill the requirements yeah if they're yeah. 20k out from we've had ones that are on that I think they have been sort of reasonable as well we've had ones at sort of five and a half six k and they said oh it's sort of not like mm -hmm. it does say 5k but we've had ones that have the little there's has been a little bit of leeway but i'd work to the 5k rule that's what in mayo other other counties would be different okay and um, you mentioned requests for further information. What um, what kind of other things was, were there in that, in those kind of, in, in your experience, just yeah. some examples of th common ones you come across? 
we've had ones for site visibility, mature reports, as I said, flood risk reports. We've had one that was more urban that had to have a shadow study analysis of the effect of the house upon the house uh, houses either next door. So you're using software to generate the sun path and to show what shadows were cast across the neighboring windows. We've had that. Uh, we've had other ones that where they used to do, they used to ask for sort of putting up profile poles and they've been doing that recently because of computerization and being able to generate CGI imagery. So they've started to ask for that less. We have one, what was the last one that we did? Probably four or five years ago where you're, they want you to put up a pole of the height of the sort of ridge, the height of the ridge and the height of the eaves in the place that where it's going to be so that the planner can sort of drive by the road and see the, uh, the what the impact would be of these poles. But now we've got uh, computers. One of the things that we've had recently is where they've asked for uh, like a CGI image of like an impact of uh, the house upon the hill. I actually dug one out prior to this, uh, to this live stream. And I, I hadn't checked it. It was 2016 where this was asked. Uh, I'll redact some of the words. Um, Mayor County Council has concerns with the site location of the proposed development in this regard. Please submit a photo montage to assist in adequately assessing the proposed development, having particular regard to the site's elevated nature. The photo montage should reflect the completed development when viewed from the east. So we did that and we like, I suppose you could get somebody that would produce sort of fake CGI imagery, but we wouldn't want to do that. It's part of our professionalism to make sure that we do it, do it correctly. And it got refused because it was the moment that the planners saw the house against the hill. Um, they said, no, so no, it's impossible. To I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The um, the uh, each like I know Mayo would have a what's called a rural rural house design guide, and that design guide, the like the sort of granddaddy of all the design guides was from Cork County Council. I think it's still from in way print. Back. Well, yeah. Way 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 back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of the ones came. A lot of the ones came from that. That's where they started from. And the Mayo one uh, is is a lot of it was started that process so mayor would have one and so what i was saying about being an architect and being um 
understanding the rural design guidelines. So that's what you're trying to get towards is somebody that understands how to design and how to create something that the council would find uh, find uh, uh, acceptable. Now these the, the design guides are not done by sort of sort of amateurs. They're like I know the uh, the person that's done the the one in Mayo and like qualified architect with ex exceptional design skills that knows what should be built within County Mayo. Mm. And um, the the principles of what are in that are everything relating to sort of scale and massing and depth of building. And one of the key things that that design guide emphasizes is that it doesn't restrict sort of contemporary design that's in scale and in proportion and in the, the massing of it is acceptable. Uh, so it doesn't preclude contemporary design. So massing is bulkiness or how would you define massing? Yes, bulkiness is the bulk of the okay. building. So like for a rural house, and this would be the same across every council. Council. So Cork started it and the other councils would have followed online after that. So if you had, for example, what they're trying to get, what they, you've got to think of the history of Ireland and the history of housing, what, tr what traditional housing would be. So you would have had sort of uh, pre-famine cottages, famine cottages, the congested board cottages that would be uh, a depth from front to back on that gable. I mean, that like you would have gone down to the small ones, like five and a half, five, five and a half meters. So obviously that doesn't allow if you had just five and a half for any circulation so four and a half five and a half so you're looking at depths around something around we've had them in just outside Westport at six and a half sometimes generally around seven and a half to eight meters probably about be about the maximum so you're trying to go back to something that's more traditional and away from something that's 19 sort of 70s onwards that would be deep planned where you would have like 10, 11, 12 meters deep of depth of plan because that's how they could now do trusses and how big the roofs could be. So you're trying to get back to something that's more, uh, more shallower in depth. The trick then comes is that, oh, we, we still need to have a, the, the accommodation that fits into the house. So how do we get sort of like four bedrooms, a utility room and that within that depth? So that's where the massing comes in, that you break down that bigger mass into smaller volumes that either could be connected, maybe some courtyards, maybe an L shape, different ways of connecting and making a larger space within a smaller mass, within a smaller density of, uh, of the massing. Mm. Okay, and um, there's a question there that I, I spotted um, about um, the difference. So if you get planning permission, get planning permission, obviously, for a specific design uh, with, you know, window placement, certain types of finishes. What's uh, the wriggle room to modify that once you go to build the house? Is there any wriggle room in terms of, let's say, if you're in terms of finishes or where the windows are did you come across any projects where things were changed and it was okay to do so i think it's inevitable that some things change the the bottom line is at the end of the build and if you're unless you're using cash 
354,000 cash from your back pocket. If you've got a mortgage involved, then the bank needs that certificate that it is compliant with the planning permission through the engineer or the supervising, the supervising architect. And in that document that is the compliance with planning, it, stay, it says uh, sort of, it doesn't have to be completely in, uh, in accordance with the drawings. It's sort of, it's sort of substantially, and it's it's saying that would not uh, sort of contravene any of the planning acts. So, and it comes then down to the call of the architect engineer. Does that does the person certifying it? Is it small enough that it's very 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 minor, or is it substantial enough that it requires another planning permission? So my advice would be, if you think you, uh, there's two ways about this. If you think that you, you're making changes, my advice would be the last thing you want is if you ever sell the house in however many years time, if you ever come to sell it later, you don't want that hassle of trying to get a retention permission. Mm -hmm. uh, in a moment, actually, remind me to go on. I, we just went through the process for like a straight planning application. There's also... Uh, outline planning and retention permission, which we might need to discuss as well. So that yeah. process of uh, it's down to the call of the the architect and engineer certifying it at the end. But the last thing you want is you trying to sell it and forget about whenever anybody says, "Oh, we're never going to sell. We get this is our forever home." And never happens. With people always, well, not everybody, but like there's a lot of people that we've had that they haven't been forever homes and mm -hmm. they've ended up trying to sell them. It's a hassle. So there's two things that you could do. Well, so even it's, in even if you do stay for your own kids or whatever, you don't want hassle for them. Either. You don't want hassle for them. Mm. Um, no, you don't want hassle for it. So, so what you could do is, it depends how far along it is, whether it's actually built or not. So obviously, if it's built, you can get retention permission for it. So that's it's already done. There's a risk, however, that you might not get the retention permission, depending on what you've gone and done. So they say, no, no, you have to put it back the way it was back to planning, back to the planning compliant drawings. You could do that if it is, so uh, you could get a retention permission on completion, hassle and more money, and they triple the costs for any retention permissions. So they, they're effectively three times the amount for a permission. Uh, you could um, re just rely on the certificate of the architect, uh, architectural engineer. Again, if there's a lot of changes, the if you come to sell, the bank may say, no, we're not. Uh, the other person buying the house may say, no, that's not compliant. We need a retention on it. Or you could do what's called a Section 5 declaration. A Section 5 declaration is when before something's built, do does this uh, work that we're thinking of doing, does it require permission or not? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether, I'd have to check this, I'm not sure whether how you do it for house has already been granted permission we normally use section fives of things like extensions when they're uh under 40 square meters and just to clarify does this proposal require planning or does it not require planning so yeah. a section 50 a section five is similar to a section 57 that i mentioned earlier about uh protected structures and section five is to find out whether something requires planning or doesn't require planning. Yeah. So then, but let's say if, is it okay? I mean, in my understanding was windows, you can't really change too much position wise. 
phase-wise? Or is there that wriggle room? There's is, no... Is... I want to say what would be in and what would be out. They're all... It's different for every case. Yeah. Every every different scenario is going to be different. So every, every case, maybe a window gets slightly narrower and the call of the planning officer is or when the person certifying that doesn't that isn't a big effect yeah it's, uh, to me i think you should be have a, a risk a risk free sort of life and go and get planning again once you've got planning the first time it's easy to get it the second time it'll just pop it'll go in and eight weeks later you'll have it yeah. it's just that you delayed it by two months but yeah. for the peace it's of mind it. we tend to find people that would peace of mind there's people that are risk takers that don't want to go back in and there's ones then that uh will say no i don't want any risk i want to make sure it's all above board and get it really nailed down yeah yeah so downsizing um if you have approval for a big house we got a question in there um can you downsize the house be the same but just smaller you'd have to go back for planning for that would you i mean really yeah i mean we actually had uh, to just give you an example of where you think, oh, this is really handy that you're making it smaller. So technically, it's, it's not the same area. Even if you're making it smaller and better, yeah. uh, then it's a different house. It's not the same house. My neighbor looking that way, we did the design for that. And it was done originally back in, I don't know when it was, 2001 or two. And it was a effectively a huge dormer at a front to back distance of about 15 meters and i said to uh the the owner uh, mary and i said to mary i said that your house is just going to be a monster i said i've got a great idea for how you could improve the design without much effort uh, and she was just about to build it. I've got this great idea and it's improving it. It's let and the way exactly like I just said, it was reducing the depth from 15 meters down to two 7.5s. We put a valley down the middle and we had, uh, we had like a, the old sort of schoolhouse look about it where the, it'd be a double pitch going up and down. And I thought this is the, the building is not as high. It's not as deep. It, everything about it was better. The planner came out when I think when I think there was an, a time extension that they needed to get things uh, built before the planning ran out. She came out and said, that's not the house that got planning. I go, it's better. And she goes, doesn't matter. It's definitely, it's not the same house. You need to now yeah. get a retention. I think the roof was on at that point. And uh, the letter that you get, this is this is when I knew didn't know as as much when I first arrived uh, in Ireland. The the letter that you get is really frightening. It sort of says stop stop this is the enforcement letter notice. Stop work now. Uh, you're liable to a fine, and the, the fine was something like ninety three million euro. Oh Jesus! Uh, if you don't, it's a huge. It's a really <laughs> it's a really scary letter. You don't want to get those letters. I've had a couple no. of them when builders uh, when clients have carried on when they shouldn't have done. And uh, I'm less upset about the letter because I know that, the, that there isn't there isn't going to be a fine of 93 million, but we need to get it sorted. So we need to um, we need to uh, rectify it. Yeah. So just extensions quickly, just to run through that. Um, technically, really, it's just under 40 square meters. You're okay. Yeah. But that counts any previous extensions that have been done in the house already. It does. So, yeah. so, uh, so, but yeah. generally, but in answer to your question, that is generally uh, 40 meters, well, it is 40 meters squared, uh, where the previous extensions 
pre uh, sort of post-1963 would need to be taken into account. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's there's other rules about heights of things, distances to windows. There's a whole load of stuff. But if you are in any doubt whether you think that your development requires planning or does not require planning, then you should get a Section 5 declaration. Yeah. That sorts yeah. it. And you've got a piece of paper then. If anybody then says, oh, you need a planning for that, you need a planning for that, uh, you can go to them and say, look, here's my piece of paper, here's my section five. Any problems that occur with uh, with any type of planning occur when, A, that you've done something that you shouldn't have done and the planner comes out and has a look. They're not driving around the countryside looking, as far as I know, they're not driving around the countryside looking for uh, buildings to, that are non-compliant. That's the first thing. So if you do anything and they have to come out and they see it, they'll obviously they're gonna they're gonna they have to it has to be regularized. Yeah. Two, if you've got a neighbour that is gonna is re really wants to make your life difficult and you've done something wrong and they and contacting the council, we've had one where it was constant contact to the council and I was drawing doing drawing upon drawing to verify that first of all that the, the extension was less than 40 meters squared it was like 39.99999 meters squared it was right on the, the number and they said right fine and then there was a uh this is no names and then there was a, a garage that we did that was 24.99999 meters squared and um that went through but the moment that a a, a neighbor complains yeah. it causes problems the third one is when you come to sell it when you come to sell and the the, the person buying it's got their solicitor got their own architect got their own engineer and they're looking at the documents and they're looking at the thick what's being built on the ground and there's problems or whether the, you haven't adhered to uh the section 47 thing about the council and stuff um then it will cause problems Okay. And so. um, a question here, just looking to make significant changes to planning permission I've already received. Would you recommend lodging an application for planning amendment or a brand new application? Normally, what, normally yeah. the, word, the wording that we would use is, uh, it depends if sometimes we say minor changes to planning granted under PLXX slash 225, whatever, uh, or... Um, we can you can do them as uh changes to this you could say reductions reduction in size of this thing whatever you're going to do you it depends how different it is there's also a, uh, an application for change of house type so you could do a planning application change of house type on the form so change of okay. house type if it's completely different um, if your site has the benefit of planning permission already, uh, your application will be a change of house type. Just, looked at, just quickly looked at it on. Uh, okay. Looking at it. Yeah. yeah. It's also uh, citizen. Uh, as always, citizens information. I'd say Ireland has got the best citizens information of any, of any country. In the world. I know it's, it's so good. Um, how much? Yeah. Um, so um there was also a thing about um lvas it's a landscape and visual impact assessment i think right, okay. i think i've never heard of that in in an irish context okay uh i think it may be and 
Northern Ireland thing of actually being called that. What? Okay, it sounds like a Natura or something. Yeah, what, I, what we had was that what I read out was Mayor County Council has concerns about the impact to do a photo montage. They never mention LVIAs. Okay. But in answer to your question, how much is Neil? We do do LV. We do do photo montages. We do them. Uh, I've got a, a young person that uh, that uh, makes them do that, undertakes them for us. Normally, they're an extra cost. Uh, it depends on the size and scale. Sometimes we do one, two. We can do animations. We can do videos. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It depends on the size of the project. It depends on how complex it is. How much detail there is involved. So yeah. uh, we do the photo montages too. Um, so the the visual impact assessment. Um, someone was saying they they were asked to do a visual impact assessment. So that's what it would be called um, yeah. in the Republic. Yeah, so that would. Yeah, is we, what we, you're we, seeing with the photo montage and all that. Yeah, visual impact assessment. But I think also yeah. when I googled it, I looked it up on the landscape and visual impact assessment by the Landscape Institute. It's actually more than that. It's actually a report and things, but we tend to just do the, like the visual that's needed. Yeah. Uh, like the photo montage. And the photo montage depends on the complexity, as I said, we've done them for 500, 600, something. it's not, not an unbelievable amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, depends where you get them from, so. Uh, so. Okay, I'd say, it I'd say it varies from a few hundred to a few thousand. So it depends who you get. Oh, yeah. Thanks very much. Mark. I'm just looking. Actually, I haven't been. I haven't been reading any of the uh, comments. But somebody then I just saw one flash up that said somebody. Oh, one flash up for you. I tried to catch all of them. Yeah, no, I think somebody said it was 4K. So, uh, but that would be. I'd say that's a big report, and it'd be interesting to know what council that came under. Mm. Certainly for visuals, what I said would hold. But for a big report, four thousand probably doesn't sound. Uh, unbelievably expensive. I mean, we've just been finishing conservation reports under the pilot scheme, and they were about that amount. So it depends. Yeah. And what depends? What goes? One simple visual. I mean, that was all that the. I was looking at the FI here. Uh, one photo montage. That's all they asked for. So one photo yeah. montage is easier than a fifty-page report on something. Yeah, obviously. And you find the costs have gone up on reports, like everything else, or is that just? Um, it's been a long one. Um, I tell you what has been hard is getting people to do things. Uh, right. It's been really difficult getting anybody on site to, from engineers to do foundations, from people doing site suitability assessments. It's just taking a long time getting people. The prices haven't changed that much, but it's because we're in a market that's so, so busy. Mm. Getting people to do anything is really, really hard. Like we're turning away more work than we're taking on. We, I am picking work that I want to do now. So, um, which is different to when it was in two thousand and seven or eight or so. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's good for you anyway. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't complain. Very good. Listen, thanks a million, Mark. Really All right, appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Join us next time for more tips and advice from experts and self-builders alike. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Self Plus. It'll give you full access to the selfbuild.ie website, including the Self-Build Plus journey, which is your step-by-step -step guide to self-building and home improving. 
Your membership also gives you first access to all videos and podcasts, as well as access to our members-only Facebook group, which features regular Facebook Live events. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.